Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Back on the throne. All we do is set trends, so you know what we own. Yep, I'm back with the remix. It's fourth and John. All birds, all Philly, midnight green. Things changing for the better since we got that ring. Put the league on notice. We're not done. 2019, we adding another one. Yeah, you heard me right on every Tuesday night. Eight to ten birds of a feather got that flight. Nothing but the hot takes. Back with the big facts for the fans, by the fans. Exactly where we at. Pull up to the tailgate. Stopped by F1, baptized by the Pope, been bass for everyone, flying in from the West Coast, even overseas, get blessed by Ginger Jesus, we disciples of the tree, E-A-G, wait, C-H-M-P, S, don't stress, we on the same conquest, dominate the division, destroy the NFC, conquer the AFC, grab that Vince Lombardi, Wits to AJ, climb it up the gut, be grand with the strip sack, this sound familiar, huh, I can go on the slot, Sproles with the return, Mills with the pig six, so Okay, wait, it gets worse. Jay train on the run. J.E. hitting from 60. Fletcher seeing that D-line. That's what you don't want to see. Irks catching tubs. Foes on another level. The Super Bowl ain't the only time you see that Philly special. We live from Broad Street. Brotherly loves the heartbeat. Hungry dogs run faster and we don't eat cheap. No one likes us and we don't care. Because we from Philly and we ain't never scared. Look up. But I just got to know one thing. Are you ready? No, I said, are you ready? What's up, Philadelphia? We are live broadcasting from Wildfire Sports Studios. Welcome to the 4th and John Show, episode 64. Boys and girls, allow me to just hop up on my soapbox real quick. And I know what you're thinking, oh God, here he goes again preaching. But just indulge me for a second, because I have a quick question to ask to the NFL. Why? 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 Why are we having this helmet rule jammed down our throats? Now, before you jump on my case and call me a Neanderthal, say I'm only interested in the violence of the National Football League. Let me make a couple points before I set up my point on the entire thing. First of all, there has been a focus on the overall player safety, not only on the field itself, but off of the field. The quality of life of these players, once they are done with the game or the game is done with them, that is paramount, justified, and really long overdue. I also know that there have been rule changes in the past in the National Football League that have left fans angry, and the NFL has survived it all. It wasn't too long ago when the NFL announced that you can no longer touch a receiver five, year, five yards down the field. And NFL fans said, how are they supposed to play defense anymore? Look at these guys. They're ruining the game of football. Rabble, 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 rabble. 
And it wasn't too long ago when the NFL made another rule, the Tom Brady rule, where you're not allowed to go at the knees of a quarterback when making a sack. Oh, and by the way, you're not allowed to hit a quarterback on the helmet. And they said, look at what they're doing to the game. Put skirts on these quarterbacks. They're ruining the game. Rabble, 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 rabble. And the NFL survived that as well. There is no doubt in my mind that this new helmet rule or lowering the helmet rule, the NFL, they're going to survive it. And I applaud them for walking the tight yet very difficult rope between player safety and spoiling the product that's on the field, the game that we all know and love, the game of professional football. But nobody asked for this. The fans didn't ask for this. They don't like it. The players don't like it. The players didn't ask for it. And therefore, you know, the coaching staff, they absolutely hate it. Because now they got to re-coach up their players on how to do and tackle. Because what was normal, a normal, simple, benign football play in 2007 isn't the same thing in 2008. I know there's been rule changes in the past, and we've bitched and moaned, just like we bitch and moan about this one. But where I'm coming from is, what's next? If you think this is the last rule change, as far as the NFL is concerned, on player safety or changing the game, you're wrong. Take a look at the 10-year history of the NFL and what they've been doing over the last decade as far as tinkering with the rules, playing with the rules, adapting the rules towards this form of football right here. My concern is that 10 years from this point, we're going to look back and we're not going to recognize it. And you can say, E-Rock, you're overreacting. Don't worry about it. The players are going to adjust. It's no big deal. Bullshit. Bullshit. We just got done celebrating the Hall of Fame induction of one Brian Dawkins, a man who was credited with revolutionizing the way the safety position is played in the NFL. A guy who paved the way for Troy Polamalu and Ed Reed to play their own form of safety in the NFL. Brian Dawkins' brand of football can't be played in quote-unquote Today's NFL just can't happen. Keep in mind, this guy retired in 2011. We're talking about seven years ago. Seven years ago. Brian Dawkins wouldn't be able to be Brian Dawkins in 2018. Oh, that Algie Crumpler hit that we always talk about, look back, reflect upon, and smile about. That's a flag. Oh, that hit on Michael Vick as he went into the end zone against the Atlanta Falcons that we all talk about, all remember fondly. That's a flag. That moment that he leaped towards the sideline, cartoon character style. Who knows? He left his feet. He led with his helmet. That would probably be a flag. Brian Dawkins couldn't Brian Dawkins in 2018, and there's a guy that retired in 2011. I don't know what the league's going to look like in 10 years. And they're, meanwhile, they're baby-feeding us all these little rule changes And we bitch and we moan and we accept them and we move on and then they come up with another one. And we bitch and moan and accept them and move on and then they come up with another another one. The the league's got to figure out what they want to look like in 10 years because the moves that they're making right now, the way I see it, contradictory. They tell you, okay, we're going to move up the kickoff. Listen, there's a lot of concussions that are happening during kickoffs, right? Guys are slamming into each other. This is unacceptable. we got to be concerned about player safety. So what are we going to do? We're going to move up the kickoff, right? So that there's less chance of a return, more touchbacks, safer players. All right, Raj, that sounds good. Sounds adequate. I'm down with it. Okay, so now what we're going to do is we're going to prevent the players from having a running start to get down the field to increase the chance of a return. What do you, wait, what? So you just told us that you're trying to decrease the amount of returns and now you're putting players in position to increase the amount of returns. The, the systematic uh, di- disassembling of the NFL kickoff is happening before our eyes. It's the worst kept secret in the NFL. The Green Bay Packers front office stood in front of everybody in owners' meetings And said, we need to eliminate the kickoff sooner rather than later. This needs to go. What? The kickoff needs to go. This is something that 
is going to change. This change is inevitable. They are systematically taking away the kickoff. What else are they systematically taking away? Bit by bit, little by little, letting time heal those wounds and then taking something else away. I understand player safety. I understand that we need to be concerned about the players. Like I just mentioned, Brian Dawkins. I would hate to see a Brian Dawkins at 60 years old struggling to remember things because he's got some sort of form of CTE. But don't, don't feed me this bullshit that this is for player safety. It's not for player safety. It's not for player safety. If the league was genuinely concerned about their players, the retired players, and the quality of life off the field, that concussion case that they settled where there is millions of dollars sitting, accruing interest in a fund for players that have disabilities from directly playing football and living the rest of their lives, less than 20% of those players are actually getting approved for those funds. There's players out there with Alzheimer's. There's players out there with all sorts of mental disorders. There's players out there in wheelchairs. They're getting denied those funds. So don't tell me this is about player safety. Part of me almost thinks this is like, uh, like, a, like a, a, a car recall. Because there's some bean counter in the back calculating, okay, how much is it going to cost us to call back all these cars and fix them? Versus the amount of money that is going to cost us to settle these lawsuits if somebody gets seriously injured. That's what I almost feel like this feels like. Like how much is taking this part of the game going to away, going to affect our ratings and our bottom line versus how much is this going to cost us in concussion protocol? And lastly, I'll finish on this. I don't want to sound like some NFL conspiracy Illuminati theorist, but I'm a doomsday prepper when it comes to the CBA coming up at the end of the 2020 season. You think this is bad? You think this is bad? You wait until they got to renegotiate that CBA. You are seeing a tiny glimpse of what is going to happen to the league when Roger Goodell and Smith got to sit there and bang their heads together because they hate each other. You wait to see what the NFL looks like after the 2020 season because this is just the tip of the iceberg. I understand why rules to this point have been put into place, but you change the overall game you are doing a disservice to the fans who support and love this league. I feel a little taken advantage of. I know that's, that, that, that's kind of a weird thing to say because the NFL is looking at diehards like us, people who are absolutely in love with the game, backstroking, swimming in it, eyes deep in it, and know that we're not going anywhere. We'll watch it. They could put Macy's mannequins as the defensive line. We're still going to watch football. But when do we draw the line in the sand and say, you are now messing with the game that we love? Mr. Gail Saunders, Eagle Sessions on Twitter. I told you before, we have pre-show discussions all the time. You and I barely spoke today because I told you that this, this helmet rule, lowering the helmet, was going to be a big topic of conversation. I don't know where you stand on it. You just heard me ramble on for like 13 minutes on this friggin' thing. The mic is yours, my friend. Man, man, listen. Welcome to the National Bitch Assness League, folks. Oh. I mean, on March 28th, I tweeted out, nice knowing you, old NFL. Glad my Eagles won a Super Bowl, and I got to see Malcolm Jenkins make a game-changing hit on the biggest stage of football. Just what the NFL needs, more BS flags and player ejections. Uh, now we're here August 21st. And my, my, my worst nightmares have become a reality. And, and, and like, you were talking about the conspiracy stuff. Uh, you know, like, back in, the, back in the day when I first started writing about the NFL, I was, you know, t looking into the concussions. Yes. Before anyone was looking into the concussions. I was like, the NFL is lying to the fucking Congress about the results from you know, uh, these concussions. And I'm like, why is nobody talking about this? You were talking about this years ago. And for it to, like, finally... Do you think the NFL cares about player safety? I mean, you, you look at the situation with Ryan Shazier. That was the worst case for the NFL, for a player to almost uh, be paralyzed... Yes. ...on the national uh, stage, 
and, and and parents are looking at and seeing like, should my kid play football? People, are, parents are people are questioning now. Should my kid play football? I mean, I think you know, it, it's we just got over the idea of what is a catch. You look back at what is a catch. I'll take that versus a uh, what what is a helmet penalty? And you, you talk about. Uh, Frank Reich just recently said, he said, you know, they're, what they're going to do is they're going to officiate this, over-officiate this, uh, they're going to call this penalty heavy in the, in the, in the, off, in the preseason, preseason games. And I get it, you're going to over-officiate it, but what's happening are the players are confused. If you have players out there confused, <laughs> in a split second trying to make decisions, that this game is a violent game. There's no way in the world. I, I mean, if I see people out there making comments, and I can tell you don't play football or have never even stepped on a field, how are you supposed to lower your not lower your head tackling somebody on the coming from an angle? If you guys look at the Rodney McLeod hit, what was he supposed to do with his head? If he's going to make a business a business decision, is he going to let him go out of bounds? Is he going to try and push him? I mean, is this where we are at with the NFL? I mean, if you look at the Dallas Guard, uh, like. We don't want to see the Patriots not get penalized, but I can't watch a game where the integrity of the game is now in question. Think about all these opportunities where the refs now have another opportunity to take control of the game. Imagine being in the playoffs. Imagine being in the playoffs, and, and this kind of play is will decide the, the you know your your franchise ability to get into the Super Bowl. I mean. It's crazy, man. I, I mean, you, you you see all these ex NFL players online going apeshit. Like I I haven't been this angry, and everyone who knows me knows I'm an NFL head. I I couldn't. I don't think I could put my hundred percent full heart into something that I that I didn't believe in. And watching that is it's it's depressing, dude. It is depressing. And I think uh, the NFL has to. Tomorrow is they're having a a meeting. This was planned beforehand, but it's it's gonna definitely be number one on their uh, topic chart because they got to do something because ratings are in question if it's gonna be like this. And and I'm and I'm glad you brought up the the Ryan Shazier injury. Uh, not glad that it happened. That was disturbing to watch. Yeah. When when it, when it initially happened, but just so I could make sure that I was getting my facts straight. I went back and I watched that hit. Real time, slow mo, real time, slow mo, real time, slow mo, just to make sure I had a pretty good full understanding of what happened. And yes, Ryan Shazier at the last minute lowered his helmet. You're right. He took his eye off the target. This is true. This is fact. You can see it if you rewatch it. But there are other there are two other factors that have to do with Ryan Chazier's injury. Number one, he missed. The tight end is coming over the middle, moving from Ryan Chazier's left to his right, and as he catches the ball and turns, Ryan Chazier anticipates him to continue running. And what happens is the tight end kind of crunches down, anticipates the hit, and what was targeted as a shoulder hit ended up being with the, with the crown of his helmet. It's Ryan Chazier missed. That was an accident. The second thing that has more of a determination in the fact that he got injured than the fact that he lowered his helmet is that it was a freak injury. These things are going to happen. It's unfortunate. Nobody likes it. We all watched that live and felt horrible seeing Ryan Shazier lay there on the ground holding his back and not being able to move his legs. That was disturbing to watch. But it's a freak. No matter what penalties... What rules you implement in the place? Freak accidents. They have it's a violent game by nature. Mm -hmm. They're going to continue to happen whether you throw this flag or not. What was so bad about the NFL in 2017? What makes the NFL so dangerous in 2017 that we need to implement a rule like this in 2018? To speak to your point, Gail, I was thinking on the what drive down. Little conspiracy theorist, right? Little little NFL Illuminati thing. What's worst case scenario? Yeah. Worst case scenario is after the CBA comes out that the NFL imp implements and bargains with the players uh, union all sorts of different rules that I now come to the 
supposing there is a 20, uh, what is it, 2021 season, right? Mm-hmm. Is it after the 2020 I'm not, season? I'm not exactly sure. All right, so I come, so hoping there's not a lockout. I come back to the game of football, and it's not the way I left it. Yeah. I, I and I care. love the Eagles. I was born an Eagles fan. In a manger. In a manger. Born in a manger in a tailgate somewhere. I bleed green. I love this team, but I also love the game. How am I supposed to continue to love my team the way I do when I don't love the game that they play? It's easy to fall in love. It's hard to get... When you fall out of love, and and this is going to happen to some fans, when you fall out of love, anybody who has ever been in a relationship will tell you there's no coming back from that. Yeah, it's going to be tough. I I mean, one other point... um, if the NFL really cares about player safety, why in the hell are we playing four preseason games? Yes. Why the fuck are we playing on Thursday night football? You think an average football player, let alone a high school to college, is okay? Is is okay? You know, playing a game on Sunday and then have to go go and play a game on Thursday. You think he's healed by then? You think players that are you know, these players, we see them play every day and think, okay, they're playing for the team. They have families that care about them and are waiting for them to make money. So th- there's a lot on the line for these players that they don't give a damn if they're hurt. They got a whole family that to feed. They have people relying on them. You think they're, they're not going to play so someone else can take their spot to get that contract? No, these players are going out there playing hurt. And they NFL knows that. NFL knows that these players are going out there playing hurt. So I don't care. Like, you could say this player safety shit is BS, bro. And then you're trying to implement or trying to negotiate or suggest or bring up at some meeting, hey, let's add two more games and then claim you're concerned about player safety. You are contradicting yourself left and right. Justin. Uh, just going back to what you said about what could have happened in 2017 and forced the 2018 rule change. After the Ryan Shazier hit, and I, it was before this, but I think that really pushed it to another level. I think that the front office of the league is terrified that a player is going to die on the field in, on national TV. Has it happened since they invented the forward pass? No. No. But I feel, I mean... I think that as injuries get worse, and like the Shazier injury put it front and center, I think that they're so terrified of 5, 10, 50 million, dollar, 50 million people seeing somebody potentially get killed on live TV. And to, to touch on what you were saying about uh, Ryan Shazier, that being a freak injury, like, yeah, no one has died on a field on the NFL yet, but, you know, the freak injuries do happen, just to touch on what he's saying. I mean, Daryl Stingley, he, he was a guy that had a spinal cord injury back in uh, a long time ago, um, and that was on the field. Yeah. You know, that was that – was, but that's back in the day. But right. with this day and age, you see Ryan Shazier, you see that play over and over. It's on every single form of media. Mm-hmm. Um, it just put the league on blast. So I, I don't understand how the league can contradict themselves and say, hey, guys, you know that catch rule? Yeah, Raj, we know the catch rule. Hey, you know how you can't stand it? Hate the catch rule, Raj. Well, I'll tell you what. We're going to loosen up the rules on the catch rule, right? We're going we're gonna to loosen it up so there's more catches, there's more first downs, there's more touchdowns, because what does that equate? That equates money. And hey, guys, you remember that uh, no celebrating in the end zone rule? Yeah, Raj, the no fun league, right? Well, I'll tell you what. We're going to take away that. Really? Yeah, you go nuts. Go nuts. Antonio Brown. Hey, listen, don't twerk in the end zone, but feel free to have as much fun as you want. You know why? Because celebrations equal ratings, and ratings equal money. But you know what else we're going to do, guys? Oh, I can't wait for you to tell us what you're going to do next, Raj. We're going to throw more flags. Yeah. Wait, what? More flags? Yeah, we're going to throw it. That that hit the, the, the Viking sack on the quarterback. The fuck. Oh it took 24 oh, minutes to come up. I was waiting for it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> like, that's a normal football play. Mm-hmm. And you can say, you can pound the table and say, this player safety, this is where the league needs to be, this is what the league needs to be doing. Wait till it f- bones one of your teams <laughs> oh, into bro. losing a game. 
Wait until your team so on third and ten stops the guy, but then gets called for a se- thrown a fifteen yard automatic first down penalty to keep the drive alive. And Eli Manning marches down the field and scores a touchdown, and the Eagles lose the game because of some bogus fucking injury or, or, or flag that's meant to be prevent injury, which isn't preventing Ugats. I mean, even in the Falcons game, if you think about what was it? I believe it was Rodney McLeod who hit somebody. And they, they called a flag, and they brought him closer. I mean, that was in the playoffs. I mean, these, these, these bad calls happen. And I remember that call was called, and I was like, dude, that's not a flag. Imagine that Viking sack that happened to the quarterback happening in the freaking Super Bowl, and that's a 15-yard penalty, and they get automatic first down. And that in the Super Bowl, a tackle like that in the Super Bowl. I'm going to put my weight uh, put my weight on you like now putting my weight yeah. on you after is a freaking this is this penalty. is football that's a completely separate thing from the helmet rule which is like that that's the one that i have an even harder time grasping is the body weight rule where you can't like that was what the whole call was in the vikings game where it, he didn't lead with the crown of his head and he was pretty much making eye contact when the tackle happened but it was considered that he brought his body weight down on the quarterback who still had the ball in his hands, which any other year is a sack. Yeah. I mean, but now it's rough in the past. I mean, imagine, imagine Malcolm Jenkins being suspended after knocking the shit out of Brandon Cooks. Imagine him being suspended. Imagine what that would have done and affected the way the Eagles defended Tom Brady. Mm-hmm. The, the players can't like this. Come on, Tom. More flags equals more fines. More fines equals more money in the pockets of the NFL. The owners, they're sure as shit. Listen, if you're that concerned about player safety, God bless you. You should be. If you're more concerned about the quality of life once the game is done with the player or the player is done with the game, more power to you. Offer fucking health insurance if you're in, in vetted for four years. If you're in a league four years, health insurance. Yeah. Or at the very least, if you have some long-term disability... Put a fund aside and give it to the players that are actually applying for this stuff instead of denying them. I am sick and tired of the league trying to cram down my throat that this is this is a this is a, a a rule or a change made in the interest of player safety. Bullshit. Stop feeding me this bullshit. I'm going to share something with you that I found online today, and it is a report from Nielsen. I'm not sure if you guys have seen this or not. But in 2017, the NFL alone accounted for 71 of the year's 100 most-watched telecasts. That's out of anything that was put on television in America. 71 of them were NFL games the to- yeah. within the top 100. That's crazy. So I'm just saying that as much as we're bitching and moaning right now, it's pretty obvious the ratings are still right there. So They are declining, the- though. 71 out of 100 for the year. I understand. They're still making money hand over fist. The predominance of the NFL happened in the 70s and the 80s and the 90s. That's what brought the National Football League to number one, the biggest sport in America. And now they're facing some declining declining ratings, and they want to blame it on anthem protests. Nah, bruh. Nah. I mean, all of television. I mean, I work in television. Yep. All of television is declining. It doesn't matter what it is. Everybody's eyeballs are everywhere else on their phone. It's a whole different beast. So I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't believe the uh, NFL ratings dipping because of anthem protests, which aren't protests against the anthem. It's actually against uh, other things. Injustices. Injustices. Unbelievable. <laughs> well, you know what? I think we're gonna bring somebody on the line right now. Justin, do we have him on the line? We've got our man, Elliot Shore Parks, who is always down there every day at the NovaCare Complex from NJ.com. ESP. ESP, how are you doing this evening, my friend? Doing good. Thanks for having me on, guys. Thanks for uh, spending some time with us here at 4th and John this late at night. We certainly appreciate it. Now, going right into it, okay? Carson Wentz got cleared for 11-on-11 drills. Team drills, obviously not cleared for contact. It is the impossible mm-hmm. question to ask, hey, do you think uh, Carson Wentz is going to start week one? But just from your eyes down there at the NovaCare Complex, seeing this man's progression and now cleared for 11-on-11s, how does his progress look to you? So to me, as you mentioned, I mean, it's a question that everybody has answered. Everybody's talked about it, reporters, you know, on Twitter, all that. 
But what I will say is the one quote to me that matters more than maybe even what I think is Doug Peterson himself said about three weeks ago that you wouldn't be able to tell Wentz was injured if you didn't know already. That's how good he's looked out there. He's mobile. He's not showing any signs of, you know, poor mechanics. Um, when he do, has him done the 11-on-11 drills, he's perfectly been able to move out of the pocket and navigate around. So he looks 100% healthy. Now, looks aren't everything. I mean, this is going to be a medical decision that doctors will have to decide. But to me, there's too much focus on week one. Like, Eagles fans just need to be excited about the fact that their franchise quarterback suffered a very serious knee injury and has come out on the other side of that as of now looking like the same guy. Yeah, it is a beautiful thing. And the lucky thing is that we have a Nick Foles who seemed to come out of New England unscathed and will play Thursday night. Correct, my friend? Yeah, Doug said today that he should play on Thursday night. My guess is he'll play about about a half, maybe into the third quarter, depending how much the offense gets to the ball. But, yeah, Foles should play against the Browns. Now, preseason overreaction is going to happen whether you're Super Bowl champions or whether you're a 4-12 and team like under Chip Kelly. Eagles fans are just going to re- overreact to what happens during the preseason. They had some sloppy play against New England up there in Foxborough. It wasn't clean. It wasn't pretty. It wasn't great. But do you kind of chalk this up as the Eagles kind of working out the kinks in the offense and the defense? Or do you think there's some legitimate concern on how this Eagles team performed up there in Foxborough? Um, I don't think there's much reason for legitimate concern. I caught a lot of flack on Twitter for saying that the offense looked bad and that wasn't surprising because it's how they've looked in practice. But the reality is this Eagles team, a lot of the players that you expect out there for week one, aren't playing. They're not at practice, and they weren't out there against the Patriots. I mean, Alshon, uh, Nelson Aguilar, Carson Wentz. So, you know, I think what you saw against the Patriots was, was the combination of a team that right now is dealing with a lot of injuries, playing a Patriots team that played their starters a lot longer than the Eagles did. Um, you know, you never want to see two really bad preseason games in a row, even though, you know, like you said, it's just preseason. Um, but overall, no, I, I don't think there was a ton to be concerned about coming off of that uh, Patriots preseason game. Now, ESP, you talked about a little about the injuries. Uh, now, looking at the wide receiver group, I'm looking, you know, Al- Alshon Jeffrey has the shoulder. Aguilar has the lower body injury. Matt Collins has a sports hernia surgery uh, from this offseason. Marcus Wheaton, hamstring. Bryce Treggs, hamstring. Kamar Aiken, hamstring. Is this something uh, Eagle fans should be a little concerned about? Uh, yeah, I would say so. <laughs> I mean, that's like that's like half the receivers right there. Um, but, no, I mean, I will say, though, that, you know, obviously if you just look at the receivers, that is concerning. But half those guys you mentioned probably weren't going to make the team anyway. But the one thing that is, you know, good news for the team is, you know, Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard, although they're listed as tight ends, they're going to be, you know, two of the top four or five targeted players in this offense. I mean, Ertz is, in my opinion, the best tight end in the NFL. And I think by the end of the season, we're going to view Goddard as like a top seven tight end in the NFL. I think he's that good. So having both those guys to attack the middle of the field and be a large part of the passing game, I think definitely offsets, you know, some of the injuries that you just talked about. Now, entering the third preseason game, which is one of the more crucial preseason games, at least for the starters, uh, on this roster. And then there's the fourth preseason game, which is crucial for everybody trying to earn themselves a roster spot. You just said, hey, mm-hmm. half of these guys aren't going to make it on the team. So give me a dark horse. Give me a, and We have a good feel of who's going to be on this team and who isn't. But inevitably, as that roster gets finally announced, there are some surprises. You know, this guy was cut. This guy made the roster. Give me a dark horse for a guy that makes the team. Give me a dark horse for the guy who isn't a Philadelphia Eagle in 2018. So I was just actually looking at the 90-man roster about an hour ago. And of the 90-man roster, I have about 42 to 45 players basically locked up. So unlike past years where there's been a lot of turnover and questions, I think the 53-man roster is pretty close to set. Now, that doesn't mean there's not going to be surprises. Um, I think two guy, or one guy that could be released that will surprise people is Elijah Qualls. Um, I think he had a real good chance coming into training camp to earn a roster spot and to not only earn a roster spot, but earn playing time. But I don't think he's played that great. Um, as of now, he's the fourth defensive tackle. And it seems like defensive line coach Chris Wilson's always yelling at him whenever <laughs> I see them in practice. So I don't really like his chances. 
one guy that would be a surprise to make the roster. Um, I would go with backup safety Jeremy Reeves. Um, I think he's a guy they like a lot. I don't think Trey Sullivan has had a great showing in the first two preseason games. Uh, now, that being said, if I had to pick my roster, I would put Sullivan over. But I do think Reeves has a better chance than a lot of people think, um, just because they do need young safeties to develop. They brought him into the NovaCare prior to the draft and then signed him as an undrafted free agent. So there is definitely some interest there. Um, so, yeah, that would probably be one of my dark horses. Now, looking at the running back group, uh, you know, in previous years we had five running backs. Uh, now, do you think they're going to go with – they might lower that and go with four. I mean, I, I'm looking at J.J. making the roster, definitely. Sproles, Clement. Now, Pumphrey is up in the air, and, uh, you know, Wendell Smallwood. I think Josh Adams is, is, is one of the key guys at the back end. Uh, so I'm I'm thinking maybe four. They could they could be cool with four. Now, what are your feelings on uh, how many guys they'll have on the uh, running back depth chart? Yeah, I think the amount of running backs they keep at the 53-minute cutdown could be different than the amount that's on the roster in week one. I think this is definitely a year where we could see the Eagles pluck a running back off the waiver wire at final cutdowns just because, you know, a lot of the names you mentioned, like, yeah, obviously those top three are going to make it. And Doug Peterson has mentioned Wendell Smallwood as a key special teams player, so I think that definitely speaks well for his chances. But you know, Donald Pumphrey hasn't really done anything. Matt Jones was horrendous against the Patriots. Awful. Um, Josh Adams, they might keep if they don't think he can squeeze through the practice squad. But, you know, it'd be kind of tough to keep him on the 53-man roster because he doesn't play special teams. So I think they'll go with four running backs to start at the 53-man, with Smallwood being that fourth guy. But it wouldn't surprise me if at some point they ended up with five if a running back they really like shakes loose. To circle back around to the wide receivers, because the wide receiver that everybody's concerned with is Alshon Jeffrey. And a while or last week, the conversation was that he might start, according to rap, he might start the uh, season on the PUP list. We kind of dismissed that as in, listen, if he's not going to be active for the first three games, why not have him on the roster in street clothes and be able to activate him week four, five, six, whatever it might be. But as I sit there and kind of let this digest for a week, the more the reality of the situation is, listen, rotator cuff surgery is nothing that you just bounce back from. It takes a while to recover from that and get to full strength, and especially with a, uh, like a big 50-50 ball possession-type receiver that he is. Is there a legitimate risk of him being on the PUP to start the 2018 season? No. I don't think there's any chance at all, like basically 0%. Um because, as you mentioned, well, first of all, I'll say this. He seems to be picking up what he's doing every day over the last uh, few practices. Um, I don't know if it's intentional or not, but the day that uh, the day that, that report about him potentially playing on the pup or being on the pup to start the season came out, he was out there catching footballs with the trainer, which is something I hadn't seen him done before. And then I think it was either today or yesterday I saw him in practice off to the side wearing a helmet. So I think he's making progress. Like, will he play in week one? I personally think he will. I don't think it's a sure thing. But just like you said, I mean, maybe he misses week one, like maybe week two, but he's not going to be out week four, week five, week six. So you don't, you know, and not to mention, they don't even need the roster spot because they only have four or five receivers that are have even been half decent and are healthy. So they, have, they don't really need to put him on the pup. Um, no, so I think there's a 0% chance. Now looking at the tight end, Group, uh, I know Rich Rod- Richard Rogers went down with a knee injury. Uh, is that more serious than uh, they're uh, letting out? Yeah, I saw Richard Rogers today at prac or at, at the Novacare walking out, and uh, he had a full leg brace on his right leg. Um, Doug called him week to week, which in Doug speak means it's about as serious as he'll say an injury is, short of saying the guy's going on IR. Um, so I think the chances of him playing in week one are definitely. I don't want to say slim, but I don't think they're great. Um, I think they could end up keeping four tight ends because of that. But, yeah, I think the Richard Rodgers injury uh, is definitely, like, it's more than just, you know, going to miss the first few days of practice. I think this is something that could keep him out a while. Now, some people were thinking, will they will they bring back Selleck, or would it be a Josh Perkins, Billy Brown kind of thing? So I think they would just go with Perkins. Um, I don't think it'll be Billy Brown. Perkins has had a pretty good training camp. Um, he's made the most of his reps as, you know, the fourth guy. Uh, Selleck, maybe. I mean, I wouldn't completely rule it out. But I don't know. I think at this point he would have missed all of training camp. Didn't have a great year last year. 
Um, and I think Perkins offers a little more as a pass catcher. So uh, I wouldn't completely rule Selleck out, but at this point, I would say they'll probably go with Perkins. Elliot, I would love to know your thoughts on this, and, and, and we'll leave you with this final question. Uh, Gail and I went on a roughly 30-minute tangent on the NFL right. lowering the helmet rule and how it's being implemented during this preseason, the concerns we have about it moving forward. Now, I didn't tell him my thoughts on it. I, he didn't tell me his thoughts on it. We just kind of both got together and for 30 minutes rambled about how we absolutely positively hate this new rule and hate the way it's being implemented, all right? Question to you, how, what are your feelings on this rule, and is this going to have a long-term negative effect on the NFL? So I could probably go for 30 minutes as well because <laughs> I do have a lot of opinions on this. Uh, the first I'll say is what I probably hate about it most is now it's just literally all over my timeline, people complaining 24-7 about it. So, you know, that can be a I apologize. Annoying, but Yeah, I know it's mostly E-Rock. But no. <laughs> um, no, I mean, look, I think – that it's a rule that is uh, the, the problem the NFL has is the committee, the competition committee makes the rules and then the referees have to enforce them, but the refs don't have any input on the rules. And then they hire new refs to implement these rules. that didn't have any say in making. So it's just a bad situation from the jump. The one thing I will say is that, you know, player safety is a concern for the NFL and it should be for everyone. I mean, we want these guys to be healthy and not have, you know, long-term damaging impacts from playing this game. So I think the rule comes from a good place of trying to make this game safer, of trying to think of the players. I just think at this point, it's not being, you know, it's just being called too, too much. And it's, it, it wasn't well implemented. Now I will say it's preseason. A lot of times the NFL will overemphasize calls in the preseason. And then when the regular season comes around, um, you know, they don't call it as much. So there's that possibility. But the last thing I would say about it is whether we like the rule, you know, whether you guys like the rule, whether the fans, whatever, this is going to potentially be how they call it, and the Eagles need to learn how to deal with it because I know it's just preseason, but they've had drives extended because of this penalty, because of, because of calls like that. In the regular season, they keep calling it. It's going to end up costing the Eagles some games. So I think, you know, as I said, I could go on about this forever, but, yeah, it's definitely going to be a storyline throughout the season. So it, from the word get, it was what the French call a cluster F, right from, right from day one. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Elliot exactly. Shore Parks, we appreciate you giving us your time on uh, what is a busy preseason for you, my friend. Make sure you give him a follow on Twitter. And once again, we appreciate it so much, my Thank friend. Thank you, ESP. Thank you. Yep, anytime. Talk to you guys soon. All right, see you, see you soon. Ooh, Elijah Qualls. Uh, friend, I wonder, a friend of the pod. Fr- friend, you, maybe friend of the tailgates. Maybe he's going to be hanging out at the tailgates a hell of a lot more than uh, than we initially anticipated. <laughs> maybe he will he'll finally, uh, you know, t- partake in the t- he'll tailgate. He'll have a drink. He have won't drink. have anywhere to be. Yeah, maybe he'll smoke a little something. Easy, easy, easy. Speaking of the tailgate, by the way, what I would talked about last week about uh, kind of collecting all these... Eagles social media all stars like uh, like Pokemon cards. Well, I'm starting to collect them all. I'm I'm, oh, I'm assembling yeah. the Justice League. We got the the, uh, the real black eagle with his eagle hat showing yeah, up. We got the Go Birds kid. He you committed. Got the, you got him. I got yeah. him. I found him on Instagram. A, a mutual friend uh, hooked right, us cool. up on Instagram, we and he said he was down to be there. All right, yeah, we I went the, um I went looking for, and I saw his account got blocked on Twitter. Yeah. So that kid looks like he knows how to party. Yeah. Uh, shotgun man. You don't get bent like he does. Remember that. What's that? Remember, you don't get bent like he does. I don't think any of us get bent no. like that kid does. Uh, we got the uh, shotgun guy. We got the pole dancer yeah. from the, uh, the, le- the pillar guy. Uh, okay. Jagar. Yeah. I, I, oh, the, yeah. Yeah. I didn't realize that he was following me already. And I'm, yeah. I, I'm, I'm like looking all over the Internet trying to like find this guy. And then I, I reached out to uh, uh, a couple Deadspin. I, I reached out to a guy from Deadspin. Because he wrote an article about him. Yeah. Then I realized I'm, he actually follows me, and I, I hit him up, and he's all about he it. Down. He, he's a fan of Fourth and John, and he's, he's a, a cool dude, and he's, he's, like, excited. Shout out to him. And also uh, my boy Cody from L.A., who's in uh, Set It Off, that band Set It Off. Okay. Apparently the, the boys were on tour. They're playing a show at, like, Asbury Park yeah. the night before. They're all coming down. The whole band's coming down. What? Holy yo, shit. Yeah. Uh, it, yo. <laughs> Set it off. is going to be out of town. Uh, Kyle Brandt's going to be there. Kyle going to be there. We're going to plant a fern, and then Trock's going to be in the bushes. Yo, it's going to be a complete, like, <laughs> like you're going to see, like, it's like seeing it like a five. It's like seeing it like a five-part movie. Yeah. There's going to be so many different elements. So you better get there early. 
I, I, I don't I don't know uh, if, if you saw me talking to him today, and I'm not I'm sure it's not going to be for the home opener tailgate. But remember when we were out in L.A., we went to the Whaler down at yeah, Venice yeah, Beach. Yeah. Chef Nikki. That's right. So Chef Nikki, uh, I, I commented under that freaking cheesesteak. Did you see Terrible. that cheesesteak video? Terrible. That was don't get me started. You know, you know what? Fuck. I'm going to be completely honest, though. Prior prior to the, uh, the cheese whiz being doused on top of it, didn't look half bad. It didn't. It didn't. <laughs> no, it, it just had an entire casing yeah. of cheese around it. Yeah, but the, the cheese was but just I, But I feel, I, I feel like the dude was just hitting all the buzzwords. Like, hey, Amoroso Roll, am I right? And we import the meat from Philadelphia, am I right? Uh, here's a here's a uh, Chickies and Pete's Crab Fire's bucket load of cheese whiz. They were discussed. Anyway, I, I digress. Uh, Chef Nicky's going to come by one of the tailgates. The, so, so the, the guy from Bar Rescue is going to come by and uh, executive chef one of the tailgates. Get out. Oh, nice. oh boy. It's, it's going to be, uh, it is certainly going to be. We had Brennan doing the Jason Kelsey speech. Brennan doing the Jason Kelsey speech. Shout out to him. It was his birthday yesterday, too. Happy birthday, Brennan. Happy birthday. You look good in that outfit, my friend. Another, another uh, Tyler Tynes from SB Nation. He's the one that wrote a story about us in, in the tailgate. He said he'll be making an appearance. Kyle Brandt. Kyle Brand's going to be yeah. there, absolutely. The we 97.5 was asking about it over the weekend Ooh. on air. Oh, where did I? Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's, South Tunis was yeah I, I was sitting. Uh, I'm not really listening to sports talk at 1030 on a Sunday night, <laughs> but my <laughs> buddy lie. my Don't buddy lie. heard it and reached out to me and said, hey, you, I, I, you catch me listening to it during the day on Sundays, not Sunday night. Okay. I consume a lot of sports talk radio, but my buddy reached out and said, hey, do you still work with the 4th and John guys because the guys on 97.5 right now are talking about their tailgate they want to know where their invite is. Fuck yeah. Oh. No, it, it is an open invite. And just to answer the questions that, that are constantly in my DMs, you do not need a ticket. It does not cost you a thing. I advise you to bring whatever you're drinking. We provide the beer for the beer bong baptisms. By the way, Bishop's Hat, my dude Prime is getting mm. it hooked up. Uh, wasn't in love with the first design. What, what, and, and you know what? I get that same reaction. I got the hat done. And I looked at it, and I was like, all right, do I love this? I, I don't know. Let me sit on it for about a week. And everybody I tell that says, listen, I'm having the hat redone, looks at me and goes, oh, okay, good. Because that, that first <laughs> one wasn't, that wasn't it, pal. That wasn't it. Let me tell you, I've, show, I've showed the pictures, the sneak previews of the hat to the crew here. Uh, it's it. It is Spicy. It is sick. How are you Spicy. getting it redone? Did you get a new hat? Is he just so like a week over a week, top of it? Yeah, uh, he's painting over top of it. A week after I had it done... And, uh, you know, was, wasn't in love with it. But it was like, all right, you know, this is kind of what I asked for. Um, it's green. <laughs> I saw, I saw my, my, my dude Prime, right? He, uh, he got a 4th and John suck, it, suck my Lombardi shirt, right? And then he got the Super Bowl ring airbrushed on the back. And I'm like, fuck. That's what I wanted. So he, he went to Cowtown. Dude, the airbrush artist is in Cowtown. And he's like, dude, we're going to hook it up. Just give me the hat. We're going to hook it up. So I entrusted him with basically my life, which is the fucking hat. A Pope Miter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the Bishop's Miter. And uh, he sent me back pictures. He's going to drop it off next uh, next show, actually. He's going to bring it in next show. So that'll be the big reveal of version 2.0 of the Bishop's Miter for the tailgates. Mm -hmm. We're going to go ahead and get to Mike's favorite. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, oh, I got a DM from another Eagle fan that said he's going to. He's going to come for his first 4th and John tailgate, and he's going to First time, long time? First time, long time, and he might bring his baby. So he might have one of those fancy uh, hangover Yeah, yeah. He's like, is it okay if... I haven't found a sitter, but is it okay if I bring my baby? I was like, well, you're the parent here. <laughs> yeah. you know? I mean, we're not going to... Don't believe Vikings fans. We're not going to eat somebody's We're not baby. Eat your baby. You know, at the at the tailgate. Don't believe all the Vikings fans. My man Justin decided to stop by in studio. He's hanging out with us. You came in all the way from Jersey, South Jersey. Come here, come here. Talk on the mic, man. I came in from South Jersey and Clayton. So I'm a huge fan of the show and just excited to see you guys. That's oh, what's up, man. we appreciate. appreciate Are you coming it. to the home opener tailgate? Unfortunately, no. I'll be in school. Oh, be in school. We'll stay in school. Otherwise, you will end up like the rest of us jerk-offs <laughs> at the 4th and John tailgate getting hammered instead of, uh, instead of uh, doing real grown-up shit. Nicole, speaking of grown-up shit, are you going to be at the 4th and John tailgate? Really? Really? You have to ask that question? <laughs> I come to every single one. Of course I'm going to be there. Yeah. You excited? You excited to get this thing going? Yes. Absolutely. 
Let's get to uh, Mike's favorite segment of the show, and that is the Twitter questions. Justin, I will ask you to think of a, since you decided to sit in on the show, think of a Twitter question that you will read live on air. Mike, take it away. All right, first question is from my good boy, Brother Frank. He says, do you guys think Sheldon Gibson jumps Matt Collins on the depth chart? And also, what do you think Gibson's main role would be if he makes a roster? It's blasphemous to my boy right there. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Dude, Shelton Gibson has been showing out these first two preseason games. Um, He's 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 this season's Paul Turner. He's he's our hall he's our Hall of Famer of the preseason so far this year. But he's made his presence felt. I think he's earned the uh, last spot uh, for the wide receivers. And if Matt Collins is hurt, I mean, Shelton Gibson can play and he balls out like. Why, why can't he surpass? Because uh, him doing the kick returns. Yeah, I mean, I don't think he's he's moved ahead of Matt Collins. I think they they play a different uh, like part in the offense. Right. But I think what um, Shelton Gibson represents. I mean, you're talking about a guy who can give you. Uh, he can be a star star as a uh, a gunner on the punt 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 team. Mm-hmm. You're talking about a guy who's effective on kick kick kickoff returns. Yeah, uh, he he's has uh, like. He's, he's totally refreshed himself from last season. Like, he's all about his business. I mean, the route he ran down by the goal line against a veteran, uh, that's the that's a starting cornerback for the, um, I mean, the Patriots. Yeah. I mean, you know, Matt Collins is hurt, though. Don't, disre- don't disrespect yeah. Matt Collins. Yeah, I, was, I was just about to Evans say that. That's Evan's boy. Yeah, yeah th- th- to say that Shelton Gibson's going to leapfrog Matt Collins is, is, is a stretch overall, especially right. with the recent news that he's recovering from offseason sports hernia surgery. We heard all the writers talk about, you know, stock down a little bit on him on training camp because he hasn't been really flashed. Well, now we know the reason why right. he hasn't been flashing. However, I will say this about Shelton Gibson. It is so nice, a la Nelson Aguilar last year, to see an individual in training camp and preseason, a guy that you that is homegrown, that you really weren't expecting much from, right. to step up and make such an impact. You know, last year it was Nelson Aguilar. This year it's Sheldon Gibson. These are guys that we drafted. These aren't guys that we these aren't hired guns. These aren't guys that we brought in via free agency. You're getting some production about guys that you drafted, right. which is in star contracts, Donnell Pumphrey. He's going to pump his ass all the way to the curb. Yeah. He's gone. Yes, hey, sir. Shelton Gibson, this is his third season, correct? Like he's, second season. Second season? Yeah. Oh, I thought, I thought, okay. But, I mean, he's done but a phenomenal still. job. Look look at the chemistry he's he's had with Sudfeld. I mean, he had the bomb for a touchdown. Then yeah. he comes back the next game and has a touchdown. And then he did c- catch another deep ball with Sudfeld. Sudfeld um, had the ball on a rope. Yeah, that's, 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 Suds is killing it. They they they, they, they had they certainly have something there that is your QB two of the future. Possibly, yeah. you know, if they can continue to develop this guy, possibly a trade piece. But once Nick Foles moves on, Sudfeld, uh, listen, Sudfeld has looked great. Maybe our maybe our guy Nelson had a had a uh, had a clue there. Don't let your head get too big, Nelson. <laughs> <laughs> Next question is from uh, War Guys. He says, hypothetically, if you could give BG and a first rounder for Mac, would you do it? Uh, hypothetically? I mean, yeah. <laughs> if money didn't exist, I guess. I mean, if- We're already $30 million over the cap. And Khalil Mack is going to demand, he's going to demand what? Probably top two money. They, would, of, of they, would, they wouldn't, they wouldn't give the him league. up for a first rounder. Like he's going to demand JJ Watt type money, right? You, you need, you need like, like two picks, yeah. two first rounders. And BG and maybe something else, yeah. and the, uh, the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. Yeah, I, I think we can put the the, the Mac stories on ice because it, it just, quite frankly, isn't happening. I mean, why would they trade him? But but you do but you do like BG already came out and said he is going to test free agency at the end of the season. And while we might get upset at that, it's perfectly understandable why he'd be doing that. Meanwhile, yeah. I am absolutely licking my chops at all these freaking comp picks we're going to be receiving the following yeah. year after that. BG's going. Nick, he's going to sign big money in the offseason. Nick Foles is going. Darby. He's going to sign big... What's that? Ronald Darby. Darby. Probably. Probably Jay, maybe Jay Ajayi. You got all these players that are going to go out in free agency, and you are going to be compensated for those. By the way, you can now trade comp picks. So all of a sudden, all the ammunition you're kind of stuffing in your pockets, future looks bright for the one Philadelphia Eagles. And it looks good for the front office making these picks. You think about all the players they've been hitting on in these later rounds. Having all these extra picks, uh, and coming up is the uh, Carson payday. So you got to really think about getting uh, cheaper and balling on a budget. I got a second level sort of question here. How much longer do we have Joe Douglas around in the office? Uh, and and what sort of influence year. did he have in 
getting all the players that we got for a Super Bowl squad. I think he's got a big influence. I believe I, so I, too. I, like you, sh- you could smell the scent on a, a on a pick from of, of Douglas. You think yeah. about all his different relationships with the Ravens, with the Bears. Look at the guys at Wheaton's here. Right. Uh, you you look at um, Mike Wallace. You look at right. uh, Kamar Aiken. These are all guys that are coming in through his relations right. and. Has, has he built enough of a foundation in this team where Howie's going to be able to take it and, and sustain it? I, I, I think the bigger picture is while we might miss Joe Douglas, and we certainly will. He's a, he's, a, he's a great football mind. I have no doubt that he's going to be a great general manager. The system has been implemented and put in place right now that Howie needs an assistant. He needs a guy to organize the draft board. He need, Now, that's not to say Joe he's Douglas is the, the end-all, be-all of personnel gurus they're still out there they're yeah. still bright up and coming young men who, and, and women lee who, nelson lee nelson for instance <laughs> who, 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 can, who can evaluate talent properly and put together a draft board joe douglas is going to move on whether we like it or not what i'm glad at is the fact that it is now the expectation that howie will be tag team with somebody who is a personnel guy and then you also have uh, andy weidel i mean let's put some respect on his name he doesn't Get as much credit as Douglas, but he's a guy that's been in this uh, group for a while. So uh, maybe he's the next guy, the next football guy to help Howie Roseman. The thing that you love about Howie Roseman, he, he knows the contracts. But uh, I'm just a little concerned about him picking the players sometimes. Is that it for the Twitter questions? I mean, I have a question, but I'd rather have Justin do the well, well, hold on. We're, 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 we're go, we're, we'll finish with Justin. Justin's going to be like the grand finale of the Twitter. All right. Question. So I've been seeing a lot on Twitter the past two days with Des Bryant. How you guys feel with Des Bryant coming here? He's like, especially with, with the, the interest going. Especially what, what, with what? Why does he keep putting? He was pushing this during pre-show too. The I was because it's been all over the TL and I'm talking I've, about it. Yeah, well, I know. Yeah, about about who? Who's been talking about it? Uh, I can. I, get, I don't I get, want to like I've been put him on blast on air, like, but all day I've been getting added by yeah you know, people putting Des Bryant. Like, Des Bryant. Yes. Yeah. Why, why don't you Why don't you touch on what you saw on Hard Knocks as far as Well, let me, let me ex- give you that's my Hard exactly. Knocks recap. Yes, exactly. By the way, Hard Knocks might be coming on in a couple minutes. Yeah. I got that. Don't shit tune in. in. <laughs> but we, we no, I I, I I get home at like one one thirty in the morning and I and I watch that shit until it's done. So. There was a scene last week in Hard Knocks, which, by the way, Hugh Jackson looks 10 times better in this episode than he did in the last episode. I, it's interesting to see the characters on Hard Knocks see themselves on TV and then make the appropriate character adjustments. The second half adjustments. Because he, he had the second half adjustments because he was an absolute puppy dog pushover in, in week one. Week two, he's actually putting his foot down, tar, start, starting to talk some shit on his players, and it's enjoyable. A little he's bit l- more bass in his voice. A little bit more bass in his voice, <laughs> puffing his chest out a little bit. I like it. But one of the scenes early on was that uh, Dorsey, right, the general manager, is sitting there at a round table with one of his personnel guys, and they start talking about the wide receiver position. And he goes, man, we, like, give me some options here. What are we going to do? And he's got a list of like 45 options. And he starts rattling them off, and he stops in mid-sentence. He goes, all right, where's Des Bryant? And Des Bryant was option, like, number 39 or something like that. And he goes, well, why? And you know the guy knows he's on camera. And he's like, hey, you know, we've talked to some people and stuff like that. If the Cleveland Browns and their wide receiver status as it stands right now, Josh Gordon just coming back, that kid that just got busted, Callaway, their wide receiver position is then they just traded their former first-round pick. Yeah, if that's your wide receiving core, and you pass on Des. If the Cleveland Browns are going to pass on exactly. Des Bryant, yep. enough with the Des Bryant talk. The most important aspect of this this team winning a Super Bowl was the locker room chemistry that they had. Why in the world would you bring a guy in like Des Bryant? And not for nothing, he's not the Des Bryant you remember from 2013. I'm sorry, not the Des Bryant you remember from 2012. He is a sub thousand yard. Uh, sub uh, 10 touchdown troublemaker in the locker room. I don't want him yeah. near Carson Wentz. Throw up the L. Throw up the L. <laughs> All right. Is yeah. that, did anybody talk about the helmet thing, the helmet rant that we were on? No, no there was not many no. comments. They pretty much, you guys pretty much preached it. That's pretty much what they were saying. Okay, so you people guys were, were pre- more or less in agreement with yeah, what was going on exactly. what we were saying. Yeah, they were All pretty right, much preaching. I, I don't want to sit here and get pinned like, hey, you old head asshole. You know, the game's evolving. Yeah. These players got CTE. Why don't you be more concerned about the players? Than you? And my whole argument is, 
don't mistake this as the league being concerned for the players and don't mistake this as the last change the league is going to make to the overall rules of this game justin man you are going to round this thing out as we close it out uh what you got so i know we lost the garrett blunt and we got Corey clement jj who do you guys see by the time mid-season comes being the number one overall running back for this team it's going to be very situational, very position by team by team. It, the, the nice thing about what the Eagles did last year is they had an answer in the running game for whatever team they were playing. Some days you were going to get a healthy dose of, of uh, LeGarrette Blunt because the defense couldn't handle that sort of bulldozing power running back. Sometimes you were going to get a lot of Corey Clement. He was going to be highlighted. Sometimes you were going to get that Jay Ajayi, which is kind of a tweener between the two. I don't see any of these running backs being a number one running back. I don't see any of these running backs being a 1,000-yard rusher. What I do see is a stable of running backs where it's like, pick your poison, bitch. Yeah. yeah. That's that, what that, it's going to be. That I think, format of running backs reminds me a lot of what goes on up in New England with Bill Belichick. Yes, sir. Yeah, which I'm all on board with. I mean, I think out of all the backs who get the most touches, I think Ajay will get those the most out of the group. But I think, like we've seen last year, Doug Peterson used that to his advantage. You thought Doug Peterson might go, you know, with somebody else. Uh, you know, he had, um, you know, the first touchdown of the season scored by LeGarrette Blount was on a pass. So he was using it to his advantage. Uh, you know, he used Kenyon Barner on the goal line. You know, like, so I think he uses it to his advantage. But I think having a, a, a group like we have is the reason why you don't pay a lot, mon a lot of money for a running back these days. You have guys who have great skill sets. You can mismatch them with, you know, different um, different schemes. So it's a good situation to have. Having running backs with different skills. Yeah, and then we have Corey Clement, uh, Iraq's future Hall of Famer. You know? Easy. I said running back of the future. Listen, as far as the 2018 <laughs> season is concerned, I don't see a 1,000-yard rusher on this roster. Yeah. I don't see a 1,000-yard receiver on this roster. What I do see is the most potent offense in the NFL. That's right, Los Angeles. You heard me. The most potent offense in the NFL because we've got three receivers that can run you. we got two tight ends that can, that can run laps around you. And we've got a stable of running backs where it's pick your poison. Don't forget the bodyguard, Jason Peters. He's back in the lineup. And, oh, yeah, there's one guy named Carson Wentz. Oh, yeah, not to mention you're not allowed to tackle. So that's going to make it easier. Yeah, so you're not allowed to tackle our guys. So good luck with that. We appreciate you guys tuning in the 4th and John, as always. Uh, tailgate, again, F1. Be ready for it. We're Doesn't still doing it? September 6th. <laughs> September 6th. September 6th. Uh, chances are uh, Brennan's speech, reenactment of the Jason Kelsey parade speech. That's going to happen at 5 o'clock. Jersey burning, I think, is pretty solid. 6 o'clock. We're going to do that at 6 o'clock. It costs you nothing. Bring your own beer. Uh, we got beer for the beer bong baptisms. And next week, we are at live on location in Philly at the Fieldhouse. Be there, baby. E-A-G-L-E-S, Eagles! You want Eagles football? We're talking Eagles football. You're listening to 4th and John. Wait, what the f*** is a John anyway? We got no drops. Fire! We got, we, we, Fire! We, yeah, we Fire. got... Fire! We, Fire! I, 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 I forgot the soundboard. He puts the team on his fucking back, I forgot, the, I forgot the laptop for the sound drop. Ah, come on. <laughs> Put him in a fucking badge. We just won the fucking Super Bowl, you drop motherfucker! Fire! He needs Fire. some milk! Fire! Fire! Fire. <laughs> he wasn't ready! <laughs> he put the team on his back, though. Surprise, surprise, baby! <laughs> Buy another one, you rich motherfucker. <laughs> he wasn't ready. Fuck yo couch. <laughs> Would somebody like to buy my shirt? <laughs> Fuck you, Eric. <laughs> People bitching me all the time, like, we need, we want the whole show. I'm like, you have it.
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. 